welcome to Champagne and Murder, Please. I am your host, Brittany. I hope that you are all doing well and having a good time during this sort of heat wave. Hopefully we don't get screwed later and it gets cold again, which I'm sure it's going to. But for now, let's just focus on it feels like spring for a little bit here in February. <laughs> um, for today's champagne, I have a Duval Leroy Brut Reserve which is $43 on Drizzly. It has notes of pear, berries, and chalky earth. So give that one a try. See if you guys like that one. Um, I do not have orange juice in it, so we're drinking it all by itself, and it's actually pretty good. I'm actually enjoying it a lot. Um, no Vanessa again. We still have some flooding issues going on, and hopefully John is helping her take care of that right now as we speak. Um, so hopefully that all gets situated and she'll be back next week. Um, I just have a short one for you guys today, so let's get into it. Today I'm going to be talking about the goddess Hecate, or Hecate, depending on how you like to pronounce it. I like to pronounce it Hecate. Um, the Greek goddess Hecate is known by many names, like Torchbearer, Keeper of Keys, Queen of the Night, and Queen of the Crossroads. She was skilled in magic, divination, and fortune-telling, and she taught those skills to her daughters Circe and Medea, along with witchcraft with herbs, enchantments, and shape-shifting. As women gain more and more independence, Hecate has become more relevant than ever. In ancient Greece, Hecate was believed to take in the souls of women who had died before fulfilling their socially accepted roles of marriage and childbearing. So it's safe to say Hecate was a safe space for the outcasts. Hecate is the goddess of magic and the mother of witchcraft, along with many other things. Her reach extends beyond the realms of the heavens, earth, seas, and underworld. She is also a lesser-known goddess of the Greek pantheon. She is the child of Perseus and Asteria, and she was the only one to retain her power under Zeus's reign. So she did something right, apparently. There are many myths about Hecate, and her tales reveal a lot about her spheres of influence. During the Roman period, many of Hecate's attributes fell into the realm of the underworld, but she also controlled elements that would place her in the light as well. She possesses extensive powers that later were assimilated by other deities. Hecate would bless her worshippers with wealth, good fortune, and wisdom, but she could also withhold her gifts from those who she deemed unworthy. Hecate's scope of divine duties were extensive in ancient Greek religion. Most notably, she is the goddess of magic with witchcraft, the night, light, ghosts, necromancy, and the moon. She was also the goddess and protector of the oikos, and entranceways, and I know that you think that oikos is just a yogurt, but it's not. The household, or oikos, was the fundamental social, political, and economic unit of ancient Greece, though its precise links into larger political and economic structures changed regionally and over time. In her form as the triple goddess, Hecate is very strongly associated with the crossroads. She was portrayed as a liminal goddess who can cross from the underworld to the physical world with ease. Her ability to move from the underworld to the physical world stemmed from her parents and mythology, where she was able to move between her position as a titan and a goddess. And as an in-betweener, she also played a role at the border between life and death, 
In many depictions, she is shown with keys, which were used to unlock the gates that divided the two realms. So she's got the keys. She can get back and forth. By the first century CE, her role as goddess of magic and witchcraft was well established by Lucan's Pharisalia, or Lucan's great poem, and it recounts the events surrounding the decisive battle fought near Pharsalus in 48 BC during the civil war between the forces of Pompey and Julius Caesar. The witch, Erichtho, in the poem, invokes Persephone as the lowest aspect of Hecate. It's in this poem that we find the haglic attributes given to Hecate. Her group of advisors or assistants included the Lambadis, or nymphs of the underworld and ghosts. According to the mythology, the Lambadis had been a gift from Zeus himself, thanking her for her loyalty during the Titanomachy. The Lampadis carried torches and accompanied her on her nighttime travels. In Greek pottery, Hecate was depicted as a singular form wearing a long robe and holding burning torches in either hand. Pillars of the torch-bearing goddess called Hecatea stood at crossroads and doorways, but now her most prevalent iconography is as a triple-formed goddess with each form standing back-to-back looking at each direction of the crossroads. In other representations, she is accompanied by a pack of dogs. On the famous Pergamon altar from 2nd century BCE, she is represented as trimorphic while attacking a serpent-like giant with the help of a dog. Throughout antiquity, her triple form was portrayed as three separate bodies around a central column, but later, this representation morphed into a single goddess with three heads. Literature from this era describes Hecate as having three heads, one of a dog, one of a snake, and one of a horse. Her name Hecate means worker from afar, from the Greek word hekatos. As I mentioned previously, her most sacred animal is a dog. Hecate associates with a black dog that is said to have been the Trojan queen Hecuba, who was the wife of King Priam at the time of the Trojan War. It's said she ended up going mad and leapt into the sea when she had been taken as a slave. And as the story goes, Hecate took pity on her and turned her into a dog to be her companion. In a description by Apollonius of Rhodes, Hecate is always accompanied by the sound of dog barks from the underworld. So anytime she comes around, you hear a faint sound of dogs barking. Ancient authors like Ovid indicate that dogs, or more specifically, black dogs, were sacrificed to the goddess, which, come on, man. Really? You couldn't just give her some food or something? Anyway, some scholars have also suggested that her association with dogs points to her role as a goddess of birth, because dogs were also sacred animals of other birth goddesses like and I'm going to screw this one up, so I apologize to begin with. Ilethia and Genitilius. Later, her dogs became associated with the restless souls of the dead who would accompany the goddess. Another sacred animal of Hecate is the polecat or weasel. According to the myth by Antonius Liberalis, Alcmena's midwife Galantheus had deceived the gods during Heracles' birth. Elithelia and the fates who had prolonged the birth as a favor to Hera told them the child had already been born. So in retribution, 
Galantheus was turned into a polecat, and Hecate took pity on her and appointed Galantheus as her servant and companion. So she's collecting people left and right and turning them into animals. I like it. Hecate is popularly known for being Persephone's escort to the underworld while bearing lit torches. When Persephone was abducted by, to the underworld by Hades, Hecate was the only witness willing to help Demeter, her mother, search for her daughter. In Greek mythology, the underworld is symbolic of the subconscious, and she is the triple moon goddess, the maiden, the mother, and the crone. Hecate's power was eventually re reduced, and her realm of influence became far more specific. Over time, her role as protector transformed until she was represented more clearly as the triple goddess. The result is that she is best remembered as a mystical Greek goddess of witchcraft and associated with magic of sorcery. This transformation can be traced back to 5th century Athens. These days, Hecate, or the Triple Goddess, has become an archetype within the pantheon of modern-day neo-pagans. And in modern-day witchcraft, Hecate is still a powerful figure. She is often called upon for her guidance and protection. Her association with the moon and the cycles of nature make her a popular figure among those who practice lunar magic. There are several herbs and crystals that are commonly associated with Hecate in modern-day witchcraft, and I have a few examples for you. So for the herbs, Hecate is often associated with herbs that have protective and transformative properties. Some common herbs associated with her include mugwort, wormwood, yarrow, lavender, and mandrake. Black nightshade is also a plant that is associated with Hecate in some traditions of witchcraft and herbalism. Um, Hecate is often associated with dark-colored crystals that have protective and transformative properties. Some common crystals associated with her include black tourmaline, obsidian, amethyst, hematite, smoky quartz, and labradorite. I hope I said all those right. I probably didn't, so you can yell at me later. It's important to note that these herbs and crystals are simply associations and may not be universally agreed upon. Different practitioners may have their own unique associations with Hecate and may choose to work with different herbs and crystals based on their personal experience and practice. As with any spiritual practice, it's important to follow your intuition and work with what resonates with you personally. So it can be a very personal thing to pick out what you want to work with, I guess. Um, Hecate is associated with many different times of the year and Sabbaths, but the most traditional time to honor her is during the dark phase of the moon in November, which is also known as Hecate's Deepnon. Deepnon? I think that's how you say it. During this time, practitioners may offer food, drink, and other offerings to Hecate, as well as perform rituals and spells that are designed to honor her and connect with her energy. Greeks even performed a series of unusual rituals in order to earn her trust and protection, staging religious ceremonies at various boundaries, thresholds, roads, or crossroads. They would offer up strange food sacrifices in her honor, including cakes made from eggs, cheese, bread, and dog meat, or a dish of red mullet. Greeks even sometimes lit these meals with miniature torches. Probably so she could find them better, I guess. I don't know. Other Sabbaths and festivals associated with Hecate are Samhain, which is October 31st, since it's a traditional time to honor the dead and to connect with the spirit world, or Yule and win or Winter Solstice. The Winter Solstice, which is on December 21st or 22nd, is a time of darkness and rebirth, so she's often honored during this time. 
and Beltane, Beltane, however you want to say it, on May 1st is a time of fertility and growth. And Lammas, which is August 1st or 2nd, and is a time of harvest and abundance. It is important to note that these are just a few examples of the many different times of the year that are associated with Hecate. But those are the, the big ones. By her very nature, Hecate was a goddess that existed on the edges of the Greek pantheon. Yet she was also a household goddess who watched over every door in Greece. Hecate remains a popular goddess in contemporary paganism and witchcraft. Because of her long, complex, and diverse history, Hecate can seem enormous when we learn about her today, like a goddess of everything. This leads to a massive amount of variety in contemporary perspectives and worship. Unlike other goddesses, Hecate is a goddess that dwells on the very edges of reality. She might be dubbed the goddess of witchcraft, but she holds dominion over more critical aspects of life. And that's just a little bit about Hecate. And if you want to learn more, I suggest going online and some of the links that I'll have in the show notes can take you on a deeper dive and go deeper into that rabbit hole. So check it out. And now, since we were talking about Hecate and witchcraft and like all that kind of thing, I wanted to read to you from the Book of Bizarre Truths about how to turn yourself into a witch. It says, let's get something straight. You can't become a witch by being mean, wearing black, or jumping off a roof with a broomstick between your legs. It just doesn't work that way. Myth versus fact. If you're considering becoming a witch because you want to learn how to cast a vengeful spell or get up close and personal with Satan, then you're barking up the wrong tree. And you're probably barking mad to boot. Please seek professional help immediately. Thanks. <laughs> now that we've gotten that out of the way, there are a few things you should know about witchcraft or Wicca before you make the decision to devote yourself to this misunderstood religion. First, you need to put aside your preconceptions about being a witch. Refer to first paragraph. Next, it is important to understand that being a witch means many different things. It involves creativity, empowerment, free thought, peacefulness, spirituality, and being connected to the earth. Consider this. The word witch is a combination of two old English terms, which is wicke, which is W-I-C-C-E, which means wise one, and wicca, which means healer. In ancient times, witches were admired and respected for their wisdom and ability to heal with herbs. It wasn't until the early 1300s that witchcraft was declared, declared sorry, heresy by, guess who? the Catholic Church. This resulted in a widespread fear of witches and led to the witch hunts that took place between the late 15th and 18th centuries. Once you've freed your mind of old myths, you might want to pick up a book or two, such as Wicca for Beginners by Thea Sabin, to learn more about modern or eclectic Wicca, the fastest growing type of Wicca. It's preferred for its level of freedom from doctrines and the absence of traditional initiation practices. Many Wiccans are vegans, vegetarians, and or environmentalists, but you don't have to change your diet or lifestyle to become a witch. Wicca is about the mind, body, and spirit, along with a code of ethics and a few principles that some witches share. It's not about proselytizing, overuse of magic, exclusion, or controlling others, nor is it dualistic, satanic, or goth. Respect the earth, live in harmony with the seasons, find your own purpose, and create your own path. Poof! You're a witch. 
And I just wanted to read that to you because I thought it would be fun. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Champagne and Murder, Please. I hope that we are a bright spot in your day. And if you guys have any stories that you'd like us to cover, you can email your suggestions to champagneandmurderplease at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And hopefully we will get Vanessa back on here to keep you guys entertained. I know mine always go a little bit faster when she's not here because I'm more anxious about it. (laughs) And I'm sure most of you understand that. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys have a great weekend and I will talk to you next week. And remember, stay safe and don't take candy from strangers. Goodbye.